and we're off. Welcome back. This is Two Beards in the Bible. I'm uh, Dave Tenney, and this is John Swino. Let's Very switch good. it up a little bit. <laughs> Dave was just telling me that we'll be, when you hear this, it'll be October. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, I could do because we're recording this in February. So, yeah. It, hey, it's cold outside. It is cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Lord willing, you're listening to this in October of 2023 and you're gaining something from it. So. Yep. And it's beautiful out, hopefully. Yes. 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 That's my favorite time of year, John. I, I, I agree. When were you born? In August. In August. 1975. All right. I, I was born in November. And I've often wondered if the idea of liking the, the crisp fall weather had to do with when you know, being yeah. born at that time. I but, don't know. I guess not. You were born in the summer. I, I, I like spring as mm -hmm. well. Like, um, there, there's something about everything turning green Morning. and growing. That's awesome. But um, fall is just... Yeah. It's just a wonderful so, time of year. Definitely my favorite time yeah. of year as well. Heading into the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, the leaves are turning colors around here. I was out west uh, several, well, it's been a couple of years ago now, and we were there in the fall. And they don't have, like we were in Colorado, they don't have the leaves like we have. Right. But they have, I believe they're aspen trees. Yellow. They're yellow. They're beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful out there. Yeah. Those yellow leaves and those green evergreens. Oh, yeah, gorgeous. I, I've heard people say that have lived out there growing up and then moved here, you know, how much more spectacular the colors are here. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though for us, you know, going there, that, that's something that is different and it's striking as well. Yeah. But uh, this past fall, I think, was especially bright. I, yeah. I noticed the colors were brighter. We were in uh, New Hampshire last fall and it was what a beautiful area that is yeah maine new hampshire the uh, trees were incredible and to, to to bring this around to biblical things if you if you want to really rack your brain a little bit and 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 learn something you study the mechanics of how a leaf changes colors and the, the chemical things that go on that allow that process to take place and it will just blow your mind there's so there's so much intricacy to that that uh you know you you, you can't deny a creator yeah when you, when you look at that intricacy that is just not by chance yeah i watched uh, some little video and it was about spider webs mm. you know and and scientists today cannot figure out how to synthetically <laughs> make a spider web Interesting. But a spider web is like three times stronger than steel. Right. And they said if you had a spider web made, if you could make spider webs a quarter inch thick and you had a spider web, it could, it could stop a jet airplane out of the sky. It can catch one. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's something. Yeah, and it's something that God designed, and yeah. we can't figure out how he did it. The other thing, while we're on the subject, <clears throat> have you noticed in, in the jewelry commercials on television that they have now synthetic diamonds? That, or it's not even synthetic. It's a real diamond, but it's lab-created. Yeah. And they're indistinguishable from a natural diamond evidently yeah and so that obviously causes de beers uh, a few issues yeah. <laughs> you know the, the guys that own the diamond mines but <clears throat> the other thing that i was thinking about in that is that now 
So we can make a diamond that is indistinguishable from a natural diamond, and it was made in a very short period of time. So how is it that you can tell me that it took millions of years to create these diamond deposits that right. we have? Right, absolutely. It's another, yeah. it's another chink in the armor. Oh, yeah. You know, of, they, of that falsehood. There was a, a lab uh, over in Europe somewhere where they created rocks with fossils in them. <laughs> with hydraulic pressure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know how you get a lot of hydraulic pressure? You have a lot of water on top of something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, absolutely. Yeah. I knew you were going somewhere like that. But yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, the more that you honestly look at creation, you, you can see these things are just self evident, if you will. Right. You don't find uh, seashell fossils on top of a mountain for no reason. Right, right. <laughs> that mountain was underwater. It's the only way that happens. When, uh, when we uh, uh, built the, our, the stone wall in front of our house, one of the rocks as I was chiseling and cutting, I had to chisel some to make them fit just right. And uh, in the sandstone when it broke apart, I found basically a fossilized piece of wood in there and you could you could see the grain of the of the wood the rings like in the little twig that is cool that uh that had deposited in there and uh you know it's just another an, another instance of uh, of those things that we see in nature oh that, yeah that, that we try to say take take a very very long time and i guess i guess that's no evidence against uh that rock having been made over a long right. period of time but but it was certainly interesting to see yeah the, you know you talk about evolution and the only way evolution works is if if you were giving given a um an an unstop uh, an, an endless amount of time is the only way they can that's the variable that they use to explain everything you give mm -hmm. it enough time these things will happen right but the more and more we study things, you find, well, it doesn't take that much time for certain, like, rocks to be, you know. Right. And, and don't forget that God made all these things. Right. And we still have not figured out how to make anything out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing God did. Right. You know, everything we figure out, we're just looking at what's already here. Right. And noticing things about it. Exactly. So, all right. Well, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that was a profitable bonus part yes, of the episode. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we're in Acts chapter 26. And in verse, verse 12. 12. Yeah. Is it your turn to read? I think I read. Did you read? Okay, I'll read. I'm going to read through Acts 12. No, no. You read last. So okay. you tell me how long to. Through 18. All right. So starting at verse 12. While thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking, speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I have, will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn from them the darkness to light, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. All right, I'm looking something up here. The... the uh, First thing that comes to my mind while you're looking that up is, you know, that he saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Yeah. And and now that's uh, th- that's pretty bright. Oh. <laughs> and, and and the other thing that struck me is that they had fallen. They had all fallen to the ground. Yeah. And that you know again we've mentioned this before that in the religious world there's this idea that Jesus and God are your best friend and that you're just going to go to heaven and it's just going to be this this uh, big old party and it's you're going to give Jesus a high five yeah <laughs> and uh, that sort of grates against against me yes <laughs> it, it really kind of bothers me that people think that superficially of our Lord. So it, was it you that told me the story about the guy who got up and said the prayer and he said, Dad? No, I don't think <laughs> oh, so. Oh, somebody, another preacher was telling me about that. Oh. They started their prayer and said, Dad. That's, that's not. That, that, that's, that, that's edging into dangerous territory. Yeah. In, in all these instances of when people are in the presence of the Lord, they're on their face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, you know, Moses's face shone. Yeah. Uh, it's... Just looking at God's back. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it's a very serious thing. And uh, and that's what it took for, for Paul to come around. Ecclesiastes 12.11. So it says, Paul, so Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this down because I thought this was interesting. So in verse 11 in Ecclesiastes, it says, The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I, I think that's probably a, um, something pointing toward like a prophecy point pointing towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it talks about the one shepherd. I, I know that I talked about it in a lesson at Medina recently, but I, we might've talked about it as well about what a goad is. Oh yeah. The pointy stick that you use yeah. to get an animal moving. And sometimes they get angry and kick back at it. Yeah. It makes their life harder. It makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the same thing, you know, the, the chastening rod, if you will, the yep. the, uh, uh, the the word of the Lord that cuts to the heart, as we just yep. read. You know, those that had heard heard the word were almost persuaded, and yep. and that um, uh, who was the leader that we just read about a few weeks ago, a week or so ago, uh, that, that was uh, oh Festus, kinda, Festus, kind of yeah. cut to the heart. Yeah, uh, when 
he was being talked to about he was afraid righteousness yeah he but was, but not quite enough right he right? sent him away you ever been goaded into something sure me too yeah <laughs> usually it involves ice cream and my <laughs> wife <laughs> oh, let's stop at the ice cream stand right. <laughs> okay <laughs> i was with a group of friends one time and and uh we were at a movie theater and after the movie one of the guys that we had know that we knew that worked there he said you know up the street there's this cemetery and if you pull in there every night this guy sits there by his wife's grave with a lantern and you know so we're teenagers yeah. and we're like oh let's go do that yeah. and so we pulled into that cemetery and the police pulled in right after <laughs> us and pulled us over and he's like what are you doing and i'm like well <laughs> did you tell him you're not going to believe this <laughs> no i told him that we were turning around he's like well you came awful far in here to turn around i said yeah i'm lost <laughs> so, i was not a christian at that time so. <laughs> but uh, yeah i was goaded into that and, yes. and i regretted it made my life a little harder <laughs> that's a pretty innocent thing <laughs> right right I mean, wasn't like you were going to tip somebody's cow over, no right? no yeah, yeah, so. although as a teenager i always wanted to do that i don't you know i think it's an having my daughter works at a dairy farm and i kind of know a little thing about cows and this is one thing i i am pretty certain of you couldn't push a cow over yeah it'd be impossible i'm I, i've been told since that it goes poorly for those that try it yeah i mean try pushing <laughs> try pushing a school bus over because it'd be about the same thing them right. things they are heavy yeah and you know what they're not nice they don't like to be touched and they move faster than they look like oh yeah <laughs> cows can run yeah they're way right. faster than you can yeah they're, they're rather athletic creatures besides the way that they look. They are. Yep, absolutely. So Paul relates his conversion and, uh, and he, he, he tells what happens that he's, um, he told, he's told to go into Damascus and, um, and then, and then Jesus tells him what his, his charge is going to be, that he's going to go to the Gentiles and he's going to be sent there to open their eyes and he's going to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Mm -hmm. And he says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Or sanctified means set apart. So, you know, that's, or made holy. And this is, you know, right back to the fall in the garden. It's the same thing that had been promised. Yeah. That, that, Christ, that, that the Lord set out to do. Uh, through Christ, yeah. Uh, since that very, the very beginning, right? Yeah, yeah mankind is going to be reconciled back to God. Mm -hmm. So Paul continues on. I'm going to read to verse 23. He says, "Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent." Turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, 
that the Christ would suffer, that he would be first to rise from the dead, and we're proclaim, proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. All right. Here's the first thing I notice in here. Mm -hmm. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. Could Paul have been disobedient? Could he have? Yes. I suppose he could have. I suppose he could have. Yeah. And I think that's an example of when when uh, of of the free will of mankind mm -hmm. and the ability to change. Um, suppose Paul always lived as he said in good conscience. He was a rule follower, yeah, by his own admittance. But <clears throat> but when you think of a person that had so much power, um, you know, I think he's acting differently here after his conversion than than perhaps the way that that they remember him. Mm -hmm. And perhaps if they knew him, and some of them obviously did know him, as he was recounting his life, that some of them can testify to these things. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to get past, when somebody changes, it's hard to get past the way that you knew them before. Yeah. And it's hard, it takes an awful long time to gain that trust back. So that may be where some of those people are. Uh, you know, they remember him in this certain way. <clears throat> uh, and they're not willing to, to look past that. Yeah, ab absolutely. And um, he says that he he went uh, to Damascus first. He, t he recounts his his, his travels. Uh, he went to Judea, then he went to the Gentiles, and of course that's when we think about Paul's missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. That's where he you know he, he's basically recounting that experience, um, and. Uh, he tells that we should do works befitting repentance. Mm -hmm. So is salvation by works? No, but if you have repented and, and chosen to follow in the path of the Lord, it necessarily means you're going to act a certain way. Yeah. You know, if you're a, <clears throat> if you're a uh, basketball player and you're on the basketball court, you're going to act a certain way and do a certain thing to make to make a certain thing happen right yeah there i i think that the subject of works is in there because it's an interesting one because you know there is no there is no meritous thing that we can do right to to gain our salvation of what possible value is getting ourselves wet how is right. that going to make a difference to anybody you know <clears throat> in, in in a in a meritorious way yeah Oh, like uh, being baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's people no... call that a work. Yeah, They're saying, well, you're 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 believing in a work salvation if you have to do this thing in order to be saved. Yeah, I I mean, there there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, but this concept that Christians are required to do certain things to to be saved and maintain our salvation is a theme that we see over and over. So how do you reconcile those two things? And that's what I think people people mm -hmm. fight with those ideas constantly. Yeah. And I think it you, know, you sort of think of it less as a less as a requirement, although <clears throat> the Lord does require certain things of his people. Yeah. But it's it's really the fruit of a repentant heart. Yeah. It's really what it is. It's the idea that, okay, I believe that Jesus is yeah. the Son of the living God. And given that, 
you know, you're going to follow the things that he's said and that he's commanded. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the gates of heaven. Right. But those who do. Right, right. So that's a that's an action word when yeah. it says do. And and here he talks about works befitting repent. Well, that's some doing. Mm-hmm. And and James talks about that too. Right. You know, and, and it's not, you know, befitting isn't. Correct me if I'm thinking wrong here, but I don't think I am. It's not the, it's not the, uh, not that the works are such that they are equal in value. It's that if you are repentant, you're going, you're going to act, you're, you're going to act in a fitting way, right? Act accordingly, right? You know, uh, just as we might tell our children before they leave the house, you know, remember who you are. Right. You know, if you're a Christian, yeah, you're going like to act one. a certain way. Right. Absolutely. Not necessarily that you're checking a box off of a list of things that you must do. Right. And and that's, you know, I think that's a, an interesting... I, I just had a conversation today at lunch with a guy about this whole works thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, he's really... Um, uh, adamant that you know you well you can't earn your salvation and i agree with that it takes a long time it took me a long time to to reconcile that idea in my head yeah that you know the doing of the thing you know it's it's not the doing of the thing means nothing it's the reason that you do the thing it's see this is the way i look at it the the works that we're talking about and, and that the Bible talks about aren't works to earn your salvation. They're works that show mm-hmm. you've been saved. Right. Right. They're, they're, it's not a, a work of merit. It's an evidence. Right. That, that's what it is. It's, I mean, we don't want to edge. I know you don't mean this, but you, to, you don't want to edge onto the idea of an outward sign of an inward experience. Yeah. Because the saving takes place, make no mistake, at the point of baptism. Right. Once you believe, you confess, you repent. Right. You know, and, and are buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. That's the time at which Man the saving takes place. But, you know, those were beating this dead horse perhaps ten different ways, but you know, those acts can't possibly buy you anything. No. And they're just, it's just things of obedience. And realizing that, you know, when the Lord was on the cross, when he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. You know, he, he'd paid the price. He, the, the, the victory is won. And so there's nothing in in that being buried in the waters of baptism that, that can do anything to save anybody. No. But it is indeed... Uh, something that the Lord requires yeah. of his people. Yeah. I mean, if, and I've said this before, mm-hmm. if baptism's a work and repentance is a work mm-hmm. and then faith is a work. If you're truly repentant, you realize how hard, how, how hard that you work gotta is. You've got to make changes. <laughs> right. Physical, you have to make changes <clears throat> in the things you do and the things you think. Yeah. That, that's work. It takes it takes a lot of time and it takes effort. It, it takes a lot of effort, and and it may require you to 
quit a job you have. Mm -hmm. it, it, you have to, may have to make some major changes in your life. And, and to add, to dovetail into that idea, you know, it's important to be obedient to the Lord as early as you can in life because as you go on a, on a wayward path yeah. in your life, you can make it exceedingly more difficult. Oh, yeah. To then repent. Yeah. You know, in speaking of perhaps, you know, the, the idea of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Yep. You know, you, you can dig yourself into a hole. Right. Where you have some heart-wrenching decisions to make. Oh, yeah. To be repentant. Yeah. Yep. Got to be careful with those things. Well, we're at 24 minutes already. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, are you long-winded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can get through this last section here. All right. Um, is it my turn or your turn? I think it's my turn. Okay. Remind me where go, I need to start at. Just go ahead and start at 24 and read till the end of the chapter. All right. Verse 24. Now as thus, now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor, and Bernice, and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Okay. So... There's some, I think, some key things in there we we talk about, and the, and the big one is, is where um, uh, King Agrippa says, "I am almost persuaded," mm -hmm. and we sing a song that yeah. I think is based off of that idea. Exactly. Almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Mm -hmm. And uh, almost but lost. Yes, almost but lost, and I think that's where this feller was. Mm -hmm. um, do you think he was saying this in jest? No, I don't think so. I don't either. Mm -hmm. I've heard it presented that way. That like, but but I don't think. I mean, when Paul says he says King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He says, I know you do believe. And mm -hmm. Paul Paul somehow must have known his heart. Mm -hmm. um, he he knew his audience, right? So he has made this, I guess, passionate appeal uh, before him, and he's laid it all out. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at the beginning, um, Festus says, "Paul, you are beside. Much learning has driven you mad." They must have known about Paul's like that. He was um, he was considered an intellectual mm -hmm. before this all happened, probably. Right. You know, yeah, and and you know this uh, uh, Festus fella is is he not the one that was looking for some money 
yeah. along the way. So, I mean, he's already kind of discounted well, this Felix whole thing. was. Was that Felix? Felix okay. was looking for Felix the money. Festus, okay. Yeah, yeah. Festus, I don't think, it's never said that. Okay. So, you know, he recognizes, he says, much learning is driving you mad. I mean, there's no doubt, like, as you, we've read before, you know, Paul, Paul was not just familiar with the scriptures, mm-hmm. but he was familiar with, all of the contemporary writings of the day, right? And and you know, all of the um, uh, uh, philosophers. He was he was familiar with all of that stuff, right? Um, you know, and, and given the way that he, as you pointed out, as he as he said, you know, I I, I believe you do, yes. you know, uh, believe the prophets, and uh, you know, if you put yourself kind of in into that situation as you read. And then it says, you know, when he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice. I kind of can't prove it, but I kind of think that in that position when he stood up, I I sort of see that as being standing up out of discomfort. You hear something that, okay, I've, I've had enough. I'm getting up. And, yeah. and then they go and talk to each other and say, well, let's just, I can't find anything against you. Yes, him. yeah. You know, and and so I don't know if that's the case or not, but it would make sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They have the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice, and those mm-hmm. that sat with them. Right. They, you know, that that is kind of, you do kind of get that sense. Right. When you think about that scene, so you know, and, and then that that last point where it says, you know, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar, and that goes back to that point we made previously that. You know the Lord's will is being done here. Even, yeah. Even though you know why would he, why would he put himself in the position to be dragged to that city? Why couldn't right. he have just, you know, as as uh, as you're told, if you're ever in a situation, you know, if you're in a car crash and yeah. the police come, or if you're uh, somehow a witness or involved in a in a situation that brings the police's attention, the the idea is, you know, you have the right to remain silent. Just be quiet and, yeah. and let things blow over. Yeah. And uh, you know, that might have been the thing that would have set yeah. Paul free sooner. Yeah. But that wasn't the, the purpose of of his existence there. Absolutely. So next if I <laughs> next time I get pulled over, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna not say anything. <laughs> Is that what you're supposed well, to do? <laughs> the, the, people have tried that. If you ever how, how does that work? Not well. <laughs> There are those people that uh, th- that will consider themselves. What do they call themselves? I can't remember. Uh, oh, anyway, I know what you're talking about. They, they hold up a piece of paper on yes. the window. I'm a free citizen. Yes, I, yes, I cannot yes. be detained. And yeah, yeah, that doesn't work out well. Yeah. But um, I remember I got pulled over once, and the guy officer comes comes with me. I said, "I know. I was speeding. I know it. <laughs> I said I was in a hurry, and I'm sorry." He goes, all right, well, well, don't do it next time. And he just got to let me go. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that, that's, I've heard that similar situation more than once. And, you know, if you're, it's such an odd thing for people to be honest. Yeah. But it, it really takes, takes them by surprise. Yeah. So it's a good thing to do. 
be yep. honest. Yep. And as we, uh, I assume we're kind of probably done with this episode because oh, yeah, it's yeah. 31 minutes. <laughs> and uh, if you've hung with us this long, uh, well, good for you. Uh, th- th- this episode went really far astray. It did. And uh, and hopefully hopefully it was profitable to you, though. We tried to bring it back around yeah. to the scriptures. So. We attempted. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Thanks.